Hey guys, it's Tana. Thanks for joining me again after an unplanned hiatus from Oddity Podity. I really appreciate y'all's patience with me and thank you endlessly for showing back up after I've been MIA. The thing is, I moved. Any of you that have ever moved know what I'm talking about. I'm never going to move again. The next place I move is going to be the retirement home or the grave. It took a lot longer for us to get into our new house than I figured it would. And then I had to figure out the new podcast room. And that was a whole nother ordeal. I'm not here to make excuses, though. I'm here to make a New Year's resolution to never ghost you again, unless it's because I become an actual ghost. And to tell you about an actual New Year's ghost and some of her ghostly roommates who still haunt the famous hotel where a brutal murder was committed. I'm talking about the Drake Hotel, a Chicago landmark that's been haunting the Windy City for more than 100 years. So if you're ready to join me in turning over a new leaf for the new year, keep listening. Because the fate of these ghosts will make you thankful that you made it past midnight alive. Chicago wants to play Greepy at an Aerosmith concert back in the day when I was cute enough to attempt such a thing. I didn't stay at the Drake Hotel, but I had to walk past it to get to the place that I was staying, and I guess I looked lost because this super helpful dude asked me where I was headed. As previously stated, I was young and dumb, so I told him, and he kindly gave me directions. I said thanks, and I started to walk away, but he stopped me and asked if I wasn't going to repay him for the information with something like, say, a sandwich. I didn't happen to be hiding a spare sandwich in my pocket at the time, and I told him so. So he suggested I repay him with, well, I'm not going to say what he suggested because my auntie listens to the show, but suffice to say that it wasn't a price that I was willing to pay. And it sucks that he did that to me because if I hadn't been otherwise distracted, I might have moseyed into the famous Drake Hotel in search of its ghosts. The Drake is located at 140 East Walton Place, and it overlooks Lake Michigan. It opened in 1920, and it was designed by Marshall and Fox Architects, one of the most important firms at the time. It boasts a massive 535 rooms, 74 of which are suites, including a six-room presidential suite. It's also home to Club International, which has been an exclusive members-only club since the 1940s. Brothers Tracy and John Drake financed this luxury hotel for $10 million, which is around $120 million of today's dollars. When it was finished, the Drake brothers loved it so much that they decided to live in it. That is, until the Great Depression hit and they lost everything. Today, it's a Hilton property, and I'm sure there's some big deal people who stay there. But back in its heyday, the Drakes saw some unforgettable characters that you might have heard of. Winston Churchill, Eleanor Roosevelt, Presidents Herbert Hoover, Dwight Eisenhower, Gerald R. Ford, and Ronald Reagan. The artist formerly known as Prince Charles, now known as King Charles. Elizabeth Taylor, Judy Garland, Hugh Hefner, Walt Disney, Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, Charles Lindbergh, and Julie Roberts, to name but a few. Joe DiMaggio and Marilyn Monroe even carved their initials into the bar of the Cape Cod Room during the Lovebirds visit. It's a marking that's still there to this day. The one and only time that Diana, Princess of Wales, visited Chicago in 1996, she stayed at the Drake. She and Queen Elizabeth both partook in afternoon tea there, though probably not at the same time. Famous Chicago mob boss Frank the Enforcer Nito even set up his office there in a room of suites. 
What I'm trying to say is that the place is super posh. There's even a Chanel and a Van Cleef and Arpels in it if you can afford that sort of shopping. But the Drake wasn't always such a shining beacon of everything glittery. Shortly after it opened, on New Year's Eve in 1920, the hotel acquired its first ghost. Being the extravagant drama queen that she is, the Drake threw a certified rager for New Year's Eve. Rich and famous types from all over flocked to the Drake, hoping to see and be seen in the most opulent new hotel in the city. All in all, around 2,000 people were in attendance. But for one woman, that rager went sideways real quick. She attended the party with her fiancé, and she'd gone all out wearing a slinky, show-stopping red dress that caught everyone's eye. Unfortunately, it wasn't enough to keep her snaky fiancé's eyes only on her. Some other old hide kept sniffing around her man, and like a wily coyote, the other woman took advantage of the massy crowd and managed to separate the couple. Eventually, the woman in red caught sight of her old man out on the dance floor, cutting a rug with this other woman. Naturally, the woman in the red dress was pissed. She flounced away and parked it at the bar to drown her sorrows. Her fiancé did not come looking for her. So after a while, she decided to retire to their suite on the 10th floor to ring in the new year alone. But when she opened the doors to the suite, she discovered that she was not alone. There she found her fiancé yet again dancing with the other woman. Only this time he was doing the horizontal boogie with her on the bed. The poor woman in the beautiful red dress stood transfixed by the horrific sight of her love doing the naked bombo with somebody else. Crushed with grief, she threw herself from the 10th floor window to her death. The woman in red is the Drake Hotel's most famous ghost. She's been seen countless times since that fateful New Year's Eve, mostly wandering around on the 10th floor. She's impossible to miss in her striking red dress, seemingly oblivious to the fact that she's been dead for a hundred years. She's also been spotted in the first floor conference rooms, which would be the most exciting sales meeting ever, and in the ballroom where she first saw her fiancé and his skank. According to an article by Adam Harrington last October on CBSNews.com, just a couple of years ago, a woman on a ghost tour in the hotel actually captured a photo of the woman in red in the ballroom. In that CBS article, the woman, who's identified as Becky, said, quote, I was compelled to go into one of the dark rooms, which was a ballroom. In doing so, I snapped a picture, and when I snapped the picture, I come across a lady sitting in a chair, and it frightened me so much that I threw my phone on my friend and ran out of there. But I knew I caught a ghost. There's a silhouette of a lady sitting in a chair. It was really bright when I took the picture, Becky said. I was a little frightened, but it didn't feel like it was a threat or anything. I just felt like the lady wanted to be seen. I think she wants to be recognized and known, end quote. I think that more than being recognized and known, this lady wants to be known what a trifling, no good man she was with. Unfortunately, the lady in the red dress doesn't have a name, and she's not the only nameless dress-wearing ghost that haunts the drake. Now, I promised you a true crime haunting, and here it is with the lady in black. In January of 1944, U.S. State Department attache Frank Starr Williams was staying at the hotel with his wife Adele and their adult daughter Patricia Goodbody. One afternoon, Adele and Patricia returned to their suite to find the door ajar. When they opened it, a woman wearing a black dress, a black fur coat, and a white wig stepped out of the bathroom. From her purse, she pulled out a small antique pistol and opened fire on the women. She missed Patricia, but she hit Adele in the head and killed her. The woman in black took off in a dead run while Patricia screamed after her, but no one could catch her. 
Police searched the hotel for hours, but the only trace that they found of the killer was her antique gun, which had been thrown down the stairwell. According to an article by Adam Selzer on adamselzer.livejournal.com, that detail was strange because the police found the gun in the stairwell hours after they'd already searched that area. It appeared that someone had actually brought the gun back to the crime scene, and that wasn't the only item that had been returned to the crime scene. At the time of the murder, it was reported that the spare key to the Williams room had gone missing from the front desk. But at 10 p.m. that very same evening, it mysteriously reappeared on the front desk. Selzer noted some other strange details. Like for some reason, Adele Williams had $100,000 in cash locked inside a safety deposit box in her room. Now, you might think that $100K in cash is not a huge deal, but that amount would be more like $1.7 million today. So yeah, keeping close to $2 million in cash on you is strange as hell. Where'd she get it? And what did she need it for? In any case, none of that cash was taken, nor were any of the jewelry or other valuables in the room. And perhaps the strangest detail was the discovery that just before the murder, someone had called a pub two blocks away from the phone in the Williams room. Selzer in his article called it a fish and ale house, which made me think that maybe the killer got hungry while waiting for the Williams to return to the room, so she called down the street for some takeout. But more likely, the killer was calling an accomplice, or maybe just to ask if they had Prince Albert in a can. So who was the woman in black, and why did she kill Adele Williams? Well, even though the antique gun broke when it was thrown down the stairwell, the serial number remained intact and it was traced back to a known criminal who'd been in prison at the time of the murder. But crime ran in his family, as it was well known that this guy's sisters often stole his guns to commit crimes of their own. And lo and behold, if one of them didn't happen to be the front desk key clerk at the Drake Hotel, a woman named Ellen Bennett. Ellen also had a history that included robbery. And his other sister? Well, she's what we'd call a lot lizard. But at the time, Anna Bennett was known as a, quote, hotel prowler, which was a woman who hung around the hotel bar looking to hook up with rich men. Things didn't look good for the Bennett sisters, especially after Ellen admitted to owning a distinctive black Persian lamb coat that was identical to the one that the murderer wore. But although she and her sister were taken into custody twice in connection with the murder, they were never charged. Apparently, Ellen had an ironclad alibi. She had been downtown shopping at the time that the shooting took place. Ellen wasn't the only suspect, though. It turns out there are plenty of them. However, nothing ever stuck, and the murder remains unsolved to this day. But even though the killer might have gone free in life, it seems as though they remain imprisoned inside the Drake Hotel on the 8th floor. The woman in black, complete with her gaudy white wig and antique pistol, has been seen on numerous occasions near the scene of the crime in the 78 years since Adele Williams was killed. But women in dresses aren't the only ghosts of the Drake. In between the lady in red and the lady in black, the hotel gained some more ghosts. But it wasn't the ghost of someone who died or killed someone there. On May 21, 1924, these two rich frat guy types, Nathan Leopold and Richard Loeb, got bored having everything handed to them, so they decided to become human garbage for no apparent reason. Nathan was only 19 years old, and he'd already graduated college and was about to begin Harvard Law School. Richard had graduated college at the age of 17 and was in law school as well. 
Obviously, they were super smart, but they were also super narcissistic because they thought they were so smart that they could get away with murder. They planned it for months and months, and then one day, they spotted one of Richard's cousins, 14-year-old Bobby Franks, walking down the street. They pulled over and managed to persuade Bobby to get in the car with them. Then as they drove away, they stabbed him repeatedly in the head with a chisel. The pair then drove into the wilderness and dumped Bobby's body. In an attempt to disguise their victim's identity, they poured hydrochloric acid on his face and body. Due to Richard's familial link to Bobby, both he and Nathan were questioned about the murder. To throw investigators off their scent, they sent a ransom note to Bobby's family. This ruse went on for a while, but as smart as those two turds thought that they were, they turned out to have the intelligence level of, well, turds. You see, Nathan left his eyeglasses at the scene of the crime. This was an especially dumb move, as said glasses had a highly unusual spring in its hinge. It was so rare that only three people in Chicago had ever purchased eyeglasses containing it. And one of those three people was Nathan. Police questioned the pair again and soon Richard cracked. He confessed and the whole scheme unraveled. This brutal and completely senseless crime was committed, as the two told police, just for the thrill of it and to see if they could outsmart everyone. For obvious reasons, the public was enthralled with this true crime case. The murder trial of Nathan and Richard was so sensational that Bobby Frank's parents wound up moving into the Drake Hotel to avoid the press and local looky-loos. The Frank family remained there until their deaths. Bobby's father died of a heart attack just four years later, and his mother followed five years after that. Both died in the rooms of the Drake Hotel. Both Mr. and Mrs. Franks had been seen wandering around the hotel looking aggrieved and distraught. Eyes downcast and sometimes crying, the specters of these grieving parents seemed to be trapped inside the walls of the Drake Hotel, stuck in a purgatory of sadness. I wish I could end this New Year's episode on a lighter note, but there's just not much humor to be found in the senseless death of a child and eternally sad ghosts. Both Nathan Leopold and Richard Loeb received life plus 99 years for their crime, but neither one of them did their time. Richard was killed in prison, but Nathan served a mere 33 years of that life plus 99, so what was even the point of sentencing them to that? Well, the Grim Reaper came for him soon enough in the form of a heart attack, and he joined his pal Richard in hell at the fairly young age of 66. If you're down to hunt ghosts, it sounds like the Drake Hotel should be at the top of your list. It has two true crime ghosts and one that was the victim of a crime of the heart. A night at the Drake Hotel might be worth ringing in 2024 for. Guys, thanks so much for coming back for a visit. I truly appreciate your support. I hope I'll see you next time, same place, same time, for a little more history and a little more haunt. We'll see you then.